Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Go back in time, kill baby Hitler, and then make sure that Dracula's daughter gets made. Yeah, the two things. The two things right there, right, right. And then the just going to hang out in the 40s for a while and maybe <laughs> yeah. have Humphrey Bogart be wife number three or something. <laughs> I got goals. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Hashtag goals. goals. Good evening. Welcome to two maddening hours of horror and fright. Gods and monsters. And I'm Shaun of the Dead. Leave the charnel house and follow the lead of nature. Or of God, if you like your Bible stories. <laughs> and tonight on The House at Screams, we are talking about the 1935 universal classic, The Bride of Frankenstein. We have Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> we have Dave Gurman. We belong dead. Yes. And we have returning guest, uh, Ryan Rodriguez. It's the perfect night for mystery and horror. The air itself is filled with monsters. Yeah. Good. Ryan's going to start us off tonight. What do you have to say about The Bride of Frankenstein? I adore this film. I adore literally every single second of it. I think it's possibly the greatest monster movie ever made. I made that claim on Facebook the other day and I got an immediate message of, it was a gif of King Kong. And I'm like, no, sorry, that's a four and a half star movie. It's amazing. But King Kong is not a monster. He is a character. Frankenstein is a monster. And this is not only the best Frankenstein movie, this is the best movie that Universal put out in that entire run of, uh, of Universal horror. I think that it's it's the finest thing that James Whale ever did. It's pretty much the finest thing that most people who worked on it ever did. And I adore it. Yeah, um, as I was saying to you um, in um, our DMs between us earlier, Ryan, I was uh, saying, you know, it's really exciting for me when uh, my two passions in film get to come together. Um, everyone knows, obviously, that I love my horror films. 
but they also, through listening to the show even, but of course you guys know I love classic films. So it's really exciting when I get to talk about both. Yeah, and, this is the uh, Venn diagram intersecting. Yes, yes, this is the, the perfect, <clears throat> perfect thing. And Universal Monsters are still probably more popular now than ever. Um, you know, something, I, I, was, I was making this comment yesterday that, you know, there's all these little high school girls um, and a lot of people are kind of allergic to black and white these days, even including Sean of the Dead over here, um, who would not watch black and white until he got with me. And I said, I'm sorry, I got bad news. You're going to watch black and white movies and you're going to like them. And he's like, oh, I actually do like them. But, you know, uh, the character of The Bride of Frankenstein, played by Elsa Lanchester, um, it's on backpacks by Loungefly. It's, it's you know, through, I, I have purses, you know, from Rock Rebel, uh, shirts from Creepsville, 666, and Sourpuss. I mean, this is the goth icon for women. Um, and, you know, people forget how very little she is in the film. I mean, she's more of the character of Mary Shelley than she is of the bride. But, um, but it's a cameo, are, basically. Yes, and but it's so iconic, and it's so visually arresting and beautiful and scary at the same time that it just has become over the years, even bigger and bigger and bigger. Nobody's ever forgotten, and now it's bigger than ever. You know, people who've never seen the film are like, oh my god, The Bride of Frankenstein. You know, and yeah. I think that's really awesome. At least maybe that'll inspire them to go and watch the film. Because I agree with you that this is James Wells, Wales' masterpiece, and that's widely considered fact. Um, I definitely like this better than I like the original Frankenstein film. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to jump in real quick, Dave. I know I'm sure you've got plenty to say about this. Um, as Candy likes to call me out, um, yeah, I didn't watch a whole lot of classics. Um, Night of the Living Dead was probably the only, like, real black and white horror film I had, I had watched. And um, so, yeah, she's introduced me to a lot of stuff uh, when we did The Fly. Um, you know, I had seen that previously, but it was only because I found out years after I watched the Cronenberg fly that that was actually a remake. I had no clue. And, but so I had never, I've never seen this until last night and we sat down and watched this and I got to tell you, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, you know, there's a stigma with sequels, uh, especially in horror that when you go to a horror sequel, uh, 90% of the time they're going to be a miss. Um, not as good as the original, and I thought this was way—I thought it was way better than the original Frankenstein. Um, I just—I enjoyed it. It had like a macabre humor to it. Um, uh, Pretorius was fucking amazing, uh, in my opinion. Stole the show, um, and then um, the the scenes. My favorite interactions in this were—and I know we'll get into it—but the. Uh, um, the Blind Hermit and Frankenstein. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And I saw I saw something there, and, you know, maybe we can discuss it. I don't know. But I saw something in there, possibly um, an inspiration for Romero when he did Day of the Dead for the interactions between Logan and Bub, the way that, that the hermit interacted with the monster and the way he talked to him, kind of that eccentric, like kind of over the top, you know, when he's showing him how to smoke and how to drink and, you know, how things are good. And, you know, just, I just got and that friend. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, and I just got that vibe of that, that relationship that Logan and Bub had 
in Day of the Dead. And I don't know if maybe that's something that, you know, Ramiro took and used, but I, it just, you know, it just immediately when I saw the, the interaction between those two, that's what I thought of. And how special to get to see it for the first time, because I saw this back in high school and it blew my goddamn mind. Like I I absolutely fell in love with it just instantly. And I had, I had stayed away from horror movies for the longest time because I'm so easily like wound up. It's very easy to, to, to get me a little too invested in a horror movie and scare the shit out of me. But Bride of Frankenstein, I think was that, that crux point of being like, Oh, I do like this stuff. It's not something that I have to hold off at, at an arm's length. It's something that I can actually get passionate about. Yeah. It's such a special experience. Definitely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, let's hear from uh, Dave and Crystal. Oh, go good. Hello. Okay. Um, I actually can't remember a time where I don't, I, I didn't see this movie. Like uh, my grandfather, my dad's dad, uh, exposed me to this very young. I remember sitting on his lap and watching this, which was, Funny because my dad always kind of poked at my grandfather because he hated scary movies. And that was something that my sister and I would kind of laugh at my grandfather about because we'd turn the TV on and it would be some kind of scary movie on. And he'd uh, he'd be like, oh, uh, you know, making all these noises. (laughs) It sounded like Frankenstein's monster, you know, uh, turn the channel you know, I can't take it. And as I've grown up, I realized it wasn't horror movies he didn't like. It was gore he didn't like. But I remember being very young and and seeing this very, very little and, and loving this. I love black and white movies. I love silent movies. I grew up loving uh, Charlie Chaplin and um, that entire era um, and Abbott and Costello. Um, so I, I love these movies and Una O'Connor, I think, steals every scene that she's in in, in this movie. You can't take your eyes off of her. Right. She she is <laughs> she is the lead to me, you know, other than, you know, um than than what's going on, but she basically is is telling the story for you uh in in this movie. There are there are, um, they cut 15 minutes from this. There's lost footage. Um, and the only two people in this movie that have dual roles are Elsa Lancaster and Una O'Connor. Una O'Connor plays uh, the maid for Elsa Lancaster's character as Mary Shelley, and she releases uh, dogs. Yeah, she's walking. She's got those dogs on the leash. Now we're talking yeah. about like those fucking dogs, though. Like those are that's a lot of fucking dogs. Yeah, a lot of dogs. I can't remember what kind of dogs. Yeah, big tall giraffe looking dogs. Yeah, I don't know my dogs. Very are they well, great? Dying? Are they there's great? A lot names? of them, and they're big. Uh, they're big As a cat thin. person, though, I'm always like, "That's a lot of dogs. Get those dogs out of here." If I see them. <laughs> so if I see them, I'll know what. But what that—that's like a sign of wealth. You know, back oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that, I think that was the point of those dogs, wealth, right? Yeah. It's the high society. 1800s, yeah. Plus that that room that they're in at the in the opening um, scene with Mary Shelley and Lloyd Byron. Um, the, the, what were those like forty five foot ceilings? I mean, the, the windows. <laughs> yeah. I just Their love. drawing room. Their parlor. 
God, yeah. the but, uh, sets in this movie are fucking uh, incredible. Yeah. And so about good. the black and white just enriches it. There's something about black and white. And also, uh, to start off, for me, the thing I love about these movies, this was sort of like, I don't know when talkies first started. I couldn't tell you which year we first I think it was 1937. But this, but this was that wonderful point in filmmaking when uh, they were still working out how to act how to make it a movie as opposed to a stage play. So the acting is very broad. It's very much, they're, they're, they're acting for the back rows. Well, and if you can um, remember, even when we talked about The Bad Seed, that was one of the biggest complaints about The Bad Seed. That was in 1956, that it was right. too stagey. It was almost I mean, right. It's like watching a stage play. And I love that. I love that about the I film, like it. films I of mean, this era. I love the way that they, films like that. Particularly in the opening scene with with the three of them sitting around talking is the way they project, the way they they emote. I love I love the uh, the actor who played Lord Byron. I can't think of his name. His acting is so camp and so broad. He's just he's just he's just stealing it. I just love uh, I I love it that the black and white is so rich. There's so much to talk about. I, I I feel like I could just battle on for an hour, but yeah, just to start, I love the broadness of the acting. The, the Una O'Connor with her rubbery face, the way she just sh- shrieks and runs off. I just love her in this. Uh, and the key yeah, like her camp. This right. is 100% camp. Right. Oh, yeah. And I love how with with Una, like the townspeople took Henry and they they go off to his manor or whatever. She realizes Frankenstein's monster is not dead. And I'll be damned. She runs the whole right. way shrieking and basically nearly beats him yeah, there. They were shrieking. Because they're like on horseback and stuff. And she shows up just like 30 yeah. seconds later. She must have been running really fast. I right. And that and and she keeps she keeps going to the constable, and the constable's finally like, "Oh, shut up!" Uh, the blood, yeah. the and she said, I, "I wash my hands of it." So that's why she's yeah, she's sort of like the only one who really sees what's going on. Yeah, she's like nobody believed. Nobody all right, to her. You can the, wind up dead the, in your bed. The butler shoes her off. The burgomaster shoes her. Nobody listens to her, and she's the only one who sees what's going on. Right. I, 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 yeah, no. Well, I mean, she's definitely you know part of the humor that I think makes this work, the film work as well as it does, because I think you need to have that contrast of against the horror, you know, and it's really we've talked about this with horror comedies um, in the past, and it's a really hard thing to pull off to have comedy alongside horror and to make it click, and so right. just enough of it so that you have this like complete like full range. So and that's that part up. of an it's part of an evolution that James Whale was kind of playing around with because it's there in Frankenstein. If you pay attention, it's there. And then it gets more pronounced with the Invisible Man and the old dark house has a lot of that in there. But mm-hmm. this is basically this is his blank check movie. This is yeah. him taking all that goodwill and all the box office success and saying, I can do whatever the hell I want now. And what I really want is to really put that streak in there. And so it's baked into basically every single frame of this movie. Because he didn't want to, he didn't want to do it. He was right. real reluctant to do the sequel. And they, so he, they basically said, well, just do whatever you want. And he, and he did, like you said, he did. He's, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And it's got that camp. It's got that broad humor, but it's, it's also rather horrific. There's some, there's some true horror in this movie. Yeah. Universal. It took them four years. They, they yeah. kept telling him they were going to let, anybody else direct it and they were going to do what they wanted to do with it and finally he james was like okay well i'll do it um but it took him it took him four years 
to convince Which was a long turnaround time in those days where they were pounding out scripts in a couple of weeks and shooting in several weeks, you know. So that's a huge, huge chunk of time. Especially yes. with sequels, which were immediate. Like, you look right. at you're Thin right, Man, yeah, the Thin Man, it's like one movie time. a year for like five years. Yeah, yeah you're on the contract. Think, you basically were owned by the studio. The studio Yeah, and, and you got to think yeah. like how fast they shot these fuckers, too. So it seemed, you know, like, oh, wow, I only have to wait one more year for another one of these. This is great, you know. Or, you know, that's that's just how, how things were done back then. It was a machine. And you what know? kills we got me, a lot of really good cinema from it. Uh, yeah. You know, oddly enough, like we couldn't, we couldn't do that now. We couldn't what kills now. me is that he was going to do Dracula's Daughter. That yeah. was going to be his next movie. And to, to peer into the multiverse and to see that movie, that would be the greatest treat. I, I, I feel I, like I the version that. we have now, I can't stand. But Thank you. I, I was oh actually talking about that on a recent uh, appearance on a podcast, uh, Donna Nelly's uh, Top 10 Horror pot, um, Countdown podcast. Um, for Women's uh, History Month, I was the first guest, and I picked top ten queer horror films. Dracula's Daughter came up, and I said I didn't put that one on my list because I don't like the backstory um, of how that movie was made. So, if you're interested in that, look it up, uh, fellow listeners. Sorry, why I don't like that film. <laughs> I would like to see what James Well would have done with it. Yeah, don't you wish you had, you had like a time machine or some sort of yeah, where you could see what would. Have happened if this person or that person was given license to do what they really wanted to do. Go back in time, kill baby Hitler, and then make sure that Dracula's daughter gets made. Yeah, the two things. Those are the two <laughs> things right there, right? Right. And, and the then just going to hang out in the 40s for a while and maybe hit <laughs> yeah. on Humphrey Bogart, be wife number three or something. <laughs> I got goals. <laughs> right, right. Hashtag goals. goals. Yeah. Um, if I could bring up something just really quickly, we talked about um, Una O'Connor, um, another great character actor of the this time who was also in um, some, um, obviously some other big Universal monsters movies was Dwight Fry, who played Renfield in Dracula. Um, he was uh, Carl, the assistant in this. Um, Dwight Fry, um, he has such a, an interesting life story. But he was also a good character actor who would appear in these quite frequently. So he is kind of like, you know, as excited as you guys get about Uno O'Connor. I'm like, ooh, Dwight Fry, you know, like, I, I just thought he played a great, crazy assistant. And, or, and, you know, in, in whatever role he was in, um, in those movies. Um, I always really enjoy his presence. Had an entire subplot cut from this. That's part yes. of the 15 Fry. minutes that are missing. Yeah. Absolutely. He he, yes. he started. I think he was killing people and was blaming it on the monster. I think is what. Yes. Happened. Yeah. Not sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah apparently, I, originally I, there were twenty-one murders in this film, and they had made them. I would love to have seen that yes. film. That's the movie I want to see. Yeah, I came across that that little bit of trivia, and I was like, "Ooh, I'd I'd like to find that footage. That'd be yeah." They cut a lot. Be a sight. They censored a lot down. Yeah, they thought um, Elsa Lanchester was showing too much boob. Too much boob. Yeah, and I was As like, that's, that's how the dresses were cut in the 1800s, but okay. Like, you can see Nip. I mean, like, I thought she looked amazing. And Elsa Lanchester, like, she wasn't, like, your typical movie star looks, even for the time. Because in the 30s, if you look at all, even Betty Davis, who was very unusual looking, I mean, she's attractive, but they all looked exactly the same. Now, she did not share that little pert nose and the cleft chin and just gorgeous, but, like, not conventional and definitely not of the time. And she's become the most fucking iconic of all of them. 
right? As far as looks. And I'm like, and I love the way she plays Mary Shelley. She plays her as a little bit wicked. Like she enjoys, like they, you know, the the way they get to the story. She's like, okay, well, sit down. I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. Yeah. And she's a little bit, she's a little wicked. In fact, wasn't there some, wasn't there some uh, part of the cutout footage was an illusion that the three of them were having a bit of a thing. Her and Lord Byron and uh, Mr. Shelley were having a bit of a thing. the way that they, when she sits, when when she gets on the couch and the two of them come over and you have, you know, one on each side of her, first thing that thought in my head was, man, there have been some pornos that started out like this. <laughs> started out just like this. <laughs> it, it kind of mirrored real life, though. That we need of- an ye old pizza guy and then we're we got to <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm dumb. Ding dong. <laughs> All right, everybody. Good night. Good night, <laughs> folks. Oh, no. Connor jumps in. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 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 So many jokes we can make. I got to say, before we get too deep, how much um, Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein has ruined this movie for me, though, because I cannot see uh, this movie without the scenes from Young Frankenstein jump, particularly the the old hermit scene. All I see is Gene Hackman lighting Peter Boyle's thumb on fire (laughs) (laughs) and and pouring the soup in his lap and just that, 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 um, sorry. You know, when I was watching this last night, I, I've seen Young Frankenstein so many times that it's actually, it's merged in my brain. So yeah, when they're the he same didn't light movie, his thumb right. on fire, when he didn't right. do that, I was like, wait a second, that, wait, wait, what's oh, happening that's the other here? Movie. Uh, yeah, the, and, and he pours the soup in his lap, and, and Peter Boyle looking up, he's like, I want to kill this guy. <laughs> but that's, I think that's the thing about that scene that, that uh, Mel Brooks captured, though, that is in the original, is the sort of the... Um, the monster is being shown, uh, uh, you know, love for the first time, like un- unequivocal love, like the blind hermit it accepts him completely because he's blind. Um, and he shows him all the good things in life, you know, smoking and, and soup and uh, fire is good. He's The monster gets a chance to feel what it's like to be loved. And then what happens is these two fucking rubes show up with shotguns and chase him off. You know, they're, they're, there's, there's so much to talk about just that scene. Yeah, and it's so sincere. Which yeah, is the great so thing sad. about that it's so it's so heartbreaking. Why wow, this movie's got so much camp and there's some dark comedy. There's also some some heartbreak. And the reason why you know Frankenstein's monster stops is the beauty of the music. You know, and and I think that this film, much more so obviously than the first film, uh, captures a little bit more of the actual book written by Mary Shelley. We have um, right. more of the elements. I'm sure you guys have all read it. Or are familiar with it, but it, it um you know in the book because you know where we have Elsa Lanchester playing um, Mary Shelley, you know she's like, well that's not really where the story ends. It wasn't supposed to be like that. You know the monster wanted a mate, and the monster was articulate, um, actually rather intelligent but evil, and um, you know Frankenstein's like, oh wow, I better stop this. You know, and so it doesn't go completely go through with giving um the creature a bride but um you know so it but it does pull a little bit more from that we do have some moments of just true tragedy and sadness in this we have very sad. yeah i mean you you feel for the monster yeah. you really do and i think and that's then, i think that's what i liked so much about that scene with with the hermit is that it was it was touching and it was humorous you know, there were some 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 comedy moments to it. You know, uh, smoke good. good you know, yeah. drink good, good. You know, I mean, and, and the Red. monster is like, yeah, you're not kidding. This shit is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And, yeah. and you know, it, and it was touching, but it was funny. And then uh, the whole thing is, you know, encapsulated to the fact that this guy can't see what he looks like. And that's like the biggest issue is that he looks like a monster, right? Mm-hmm. And so everyone judges him upon the way that he looks, you know? And so here come these two assholes and they can see what he looks like. And so now they've got to start problems and it fucks everything up, you know? And, and so that was, you know, it was, it was touching to the point to where it kind of humanized him a little bit and yeah. you get that, that humanity out of him, you know? And you know, you just see that like, he just, he just needs someone. He just wants someone to accept him. To not, yeah, not judge him on the way he looks. That's just every interaction he has with the person in this movie starts out with him hopeful. Like when he meets the, yeah. I don't know if she's a shepherd girl or uh, by the waterfall. He he want, he's like, uh, and then she screams and he, he kills her accidentally by trying to cover her mouth. And he actually went and saved her when she fell. He was like, no, no, no. Friend, friend can't die. And what's yeah. the first word he says to the bride when he sees her? Friend. friend. He wants, it's not even sexual. He wants someone to love him. And she, you know, uh, uh, to the end of the movie. She hate it, me like others. It's so, it's like, so, it's so tragic. Yeah. Although like I will say, I, I got a good laugh closer to the end where, where they're in the, uh, the laboratory and Frankenstein comes in and he's standing there and he's like, you have smoke friend. And I'm like, I'm like, do you know how many people I work with that pull that shit on me when I'm outside having <laughs> right. a cigarette? Hey, right. can I bum, can I bum yeah. a smoke? Yeah. Bum a smoke. Smoke friend? <laughs> Good. <laughs> but they kind of foreshadow the whole, you know, her kind of, you know, pushing him away at the end with the miniatures. Yes. The homunculi. Yeah. yeah. Wow. With the king I love and the queen. That. I loved that scene. Where he's like like kissing at her and the queen's like, oh, fuck yeah. Oh, uh-uh, you better take Dom DeLuise, put him back in the glass jar. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought too. Dom DeLuise. That's yeah, hilarious. They, 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 pull, they pull off the queen and I'm like, oh, it's the queen. They pull off the archdiocese or the pope or whatever. Bishop, and I'm like, yeah. Melwich, and they pull off the they <laughs> pull off the the king, and I'm like, oh, that's Dom de Louise, uh, you know, kind of thing. That's, that's a so great cool. scene. The, the effects on that were pretty groundbreaking for its day. Yeah, for I, 1935. I, yeah, yeah. It took them two days to film this. I have to tell you, as someone like as someone who just watched this for the first time last night, I am constantly amazed every time that I go back because I love practical effects and I love you know, the things that I see in the films, you know, not, not so much the CGI, but the practical stuff. And I go back and I watch stuff from the thirties and the forties and I see the things that they're able to do. And it just blows me away because I get that perspective, you know, because, you know, they didn't really have a whole lot of the technology that we had, (laughs) you know, and, and the, and so to take the steps that they had to take to do what they did. That scene looked amazing. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. yeah that when I learned how they amazing. shot that with like black velvet and it yes. just sounds so hard. It just sounds like impossible to do. Right. Because it's so easy today. Yeah. They only had a $300,000 budget, but they wound up going over a hundred thousand. I'm like, y'all spent that hundred thousand on that one scene. That's where you went over the giant that was your money shot right there. That was your money shot. That and the mermaid. 
That was your money shot. The mermaid looked badass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and it, it just always amazed me because, you know, growing up as a child of the 80s, and we talk about a lot of really gory 80, 80s horror films. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I read about this stuff, like, you know, oh, well, you know, so-and-so had to mix this, this, and this to make this pus look this color. And it's like, oh, you know, that's cool. I could do that, you know? Yeah, that's it. But then, but then you read about how they were doing stuff like, you know, like this in the 30s, and it's like, holy shit. To be the guy who had to figure out how to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that yeah. blows my mind. Someone it had took to do legitimate it. invention. Like, yeah. you had to yeah. invent these things. Yeah, they had exactly. to make it up. Right, they had to make it up. Right, there was no, yeah. They, no. Were, they were pioneers. That's like Elsa's hair uh, has a, um, has horse fencing under it to make her the bride. She, yeah. she, she hates, <laughs> spoiler alert, this was her most hated role. <laughs> yeah, she she did not she did not like being the bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, she was wrapped up right right. She had yeah. to they they wrapped her too tight. She had to eat through a straw and drink, and she hated it. Well, and that's Period. similar to like the back problems that Boris Karloff had for the rest of his life from yeah. the boots that he wore as Frankenstein's monster. Um, it gave him they were immensely weighted down. He was a tall guy anyway, and they were platform, but there were weights in them, and he had back problems for the rest of his life. Yeah, and his face is fuller in this one yes. versus the original because he had to wear his dental plate because they wanted him to talk. Right. Um, but because of the heat and and uh, the exertion that he had put on uh for all his scenes in this he lost 20 pounds and so you know there's a lot going on here and then you know it's the 30s how much asbestos were you exposed to (laughs) who's got mesothelioma oh um you know what all you weren't gonna get compensation back then either (laughs) right you you aren't you you mm -mm, you know or now no, 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 no. So, like, you guys were exposed to mercury poisoning and asbestos and lead. And thank you for doing what you did. <laughs> right for for entertaining us for an hour and a half. Appreciate thank it. you for your service. Right. Well, right. I mean, without minutes. without these these famous films and and so early on in the talking pictures, um, you know, Universal like just pumping these fucking movies out. We, would we have horror? As we right. know it, we would right. not. Someone had to start. Somebody had to do it, and that's why Universal like clings to these motherfuckers. You know that that's that's a all like a all time for life and forever paycheck because people we- love these films, and they without them we wouldn't have. You know we talk about you know our our eighties horror that we love, and and even before then, I mean just you know seventy six from then on. I mean we have we look back to Dracula, we look back to. Um, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Visible Man, The Wolf Man, all the classics, and um, that's the groundwork. You know, of course, we had it wasn't like it was the first horror movies that we had, but they were the first commercially successful horror films. Yeah, huge success. It was disreputable in the beginning. Like it was when Universal basically said, "We're going to actually spend money on these movies." People told them, "Don't do that." Nobody goes right. to see these movies. And now, <laughs> yeah, everybody now they're the foundational building blocks for this entire current genre. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And so people who say they don't like black and white movies, I'm like, you should at least fucking watch the Universal classics. Right. 
you know, at least do that. And, and like, don't even do it for me because I'm already getting my joy. Like, do it for yourself. You'll thank me later. They're not long. Yeah, don't um, you feel bad for people who have like never seen this? Or like, I, I feel bad for people or who, like, like, who like completely said, dismiss a film just because it's in black and white anyway. But to miss out on on these films and in particularly this one. Um, cause I love Dracula, but it's fucking boring when Bella's not on screen. <laughs> Bella only has like 15 minutes of screen time, guys. So and we know that Dracula is very boring, but I love to look at Bella Lugosi in it. Oh my. Bella. But, Bella. I love Bella. Must be Hungarian. Um, but yeah, I wanted to start, I wanted to like subvert the topic just a little bit because, um, there was a movie that came out in 1998. Um, it was a smaller film um here in Indy the place to go see that was sort of like the ritzy part of town uh Keystone the Crossing um this go uh, uh, Gods and Monsters Ian McKellen was in it uh Brendan Fraser and it was about James Whale like later on in his life and like sort of reminiscing and things like that and I thought it was a great little film got nominated for some Academy Awards but overall critics didn't like it and um most people didn't like it but the thing is is great that film. I love the movie. Oh, I, I thought it was... I, I don't think Brendan Fraser is a very great actor, but he was good in it. Um, it's my favorite role of his. But um, So we know that James Whale was a gay man, and he was not a closeted gay man. He was an openly gay man. And Live your life. And, and a lot of the actors, including Colin Clive, who, who plays Dr. Frankenstein, were gay. But a lot of them, you know, played that down. You didn't... You know, like, you know, I love Tallulah Bankhead. She was a very out and proud lesbian. But the thing is, is that, um, you know, there weren't a whole lot of them. So even in the 20s and the 30s, it was sort of like, yeah, we're living a little wild, but oh my God, you're just going to live gay like that and tell everybody and just not be ashamed of it. And so a lot, um, you know, this has been analyzed throughout time, particularly this film more so than Frankenstein, um, with a lot of gay subtext. Um, and I and I think that's coming from a lot of um, particularly uh, gay film historians and things like that. Now, do you guys think that that is because you know times have changed and we're looking at things through a different lens, or do you think that they're seeing things that could just be interpreted that way, but that maybe aren't that way? Do you guys see any gay subtext in this, or um, oh, there definitely maybe is. Okay, okay, because I just you know because there's there's controversy over it because some people are saying well it's just because everybody's looking at things through like gay goggles or some rude fucking comment like that, um, which I don't think. Um, I definitely, you know, and it's a lot of it's applied to Dr. Pretorius. Um, you know, yes. sort of um, what what a the reference that I read when I was poking around earlier was that he was playing sort of a Mephistopheles. Um, and Sean, our our favorite uh, not quite finished misfit song, Mephisto Waltz about Mephistopheles, no. but he was uh, seducing um, Frankenstein to come back to make this mate, you know, to a new world of gods and monsters, you know. Um, so he's sort of seducing in a way, and then we see the reluctant uh, Dr. Frankenstein, who doesn't want to do it, start to get really excited again. It's alive, it's alive, you know, and, and, just, and he's starting to enjoy his work. But, you know... Um, it's also been said that um, the relationship between the hermit and um, the Frank Frankenstein's monster would, could be interpreted as a gay marriage or an unnatural marriage. Unconventional, yeah. 
unconventional or unnatural because think of the times unnatural and with pretorius and specifically like he's he's convincing frankenstein to literally experiment mm -hmm. to do to to step out of his comfort zone and to experiment in this different way of of processing things and that is i mean that character is the greatest uh, camp influence that james whale exerts over the film yes. it's impossible to look at that character and not think this is a man who was an outsider who was i mean a gay man in 1930s hollywood it was not exactly the most hospitable environment to be in no and if you look at i mean even the frankenstein monster is an outsider character the the characters that he works with best are outsiders and pretorius is the i think the best example of that not just in this movie but i think of wales entire career of I that agree. kind of thing that he got to exert influence over um, anybody else want to weigh in on that? Well, I think this, the thing that cements it is his, the first scene that Pretori shows up in, he literally barges into their wedding, you know, their wedding bed, their, yes. their bedroom. Yeah. And, you know, and he says, and, and like you said, uh, Frank said at first is like, no, no, but he, he tempts him and convinces him to come make this, you know, unnatural life with me rather than he takes her away from his, his bride on their wedding night, basically. Pretori well, comes in there with his, with his hat and his, his it, it's he he steals him away basically from his bride it was almost like the utter disdain he had on his face when he looked at her and he said uh this is a private matter right he has right you have nothing to do with this <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he and he, yeah i like i said earlier i could do an hour on just Pretorius himself what an amazing character so subversive so he he is he is the frankenstein monster but he's been embittered by society casting him out or, or, or holding him down you know and so he's very bitter he's basically a, he wants to be wicked he wants to fuck everybody else over he, he wants you know he's, he says uh you know in the novelization something about you know you may have something about creating life like you might have the natural means talking about him frankenstein and his wife but unfortunately that's not available to me i have to do it through science he's saying i can't make you know I, i'm i can't do it naturally so i have to do it unnaturally Right. And then like when he shows up, he, he says that, um, uh, God, um, when he shows up, he's, um, that's when he says where Franken's Dr. Frankenstein's telling, telling his wife that this is Dr. So-and-so, but then he got kicked out. Right. He says, right. I got booted out for knowing too much. Yeah. Yeah. He knew too much. Yeah. So I think that that's an interesting thing to bring up and, and definitely needs to be part of the conversation. Um, just um, knowing James Whale and, and, and just sort of what he had gone through and, you know, just sort of his career eventually just fell off, like fell off and, and just sort of uh, he got consumed by... You, you know, people were just like, hey, it's one thing to be gay. It's another thing to, to, you know, talk about it and live the lifestyle out in the open. And, you know, it was very destructive for him. Um, and Colin Clive uh, as well, because, you know, he lived a very short life. He drank himself to death. As a matter of fact, when they were shooting this film, he was so drunk most of the time. Um, right. Yeah, like they, they when they would do the over the, the shoulder shots of him, they were propping him up because he, you know, he drank himself to death very young. Yeah, he had become a progressive alcoholic. 
he had also broken his hip or his leg. And yes. so that's why in most of his scenes in this movie, he's either sitting or he's in the bed. Right. Yeah. And, and he's visibly one, trembling at numerous right. times. Right. Yeah. And um, one of the cinematographers on this movie was um, a, a very bad alcoholic, but um, the director insisted, uh, James Well insisted on using him uh, because even though he was an alcoholic, he was really good. And it didn't matter how drunk he got, he still could operate the camera and get the shots very clean. Yeah. Um, yeah. We Candy and I were talking about that last night. It's like, you know, the efficiency was so important. Uh, right. To, to be able to get this film done and, and, and yeah, get particularly it for all films back in the day. I yeah. mean we were talking yeah. about because we saw the eightieth anniversary of Casablanca and um I was talking about like for, for that time period um, this was a long shoot <laughs> and they had like some actual location shots and stuff. But, um, you know, most of these films, they were just rush, 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 pound it out, get it out there. Let's make our fucking money. Let's go. Let's go. You know? Yeah. This, yeah. This one only filmed for like 46, 47 days. That's kind of a long shoot. for Yeah. 30. Yeah. But this was and kind yeah. of a bigger budget. Yeah. It was because. Uh, James Whale stopped the shoot for 20 days. Um, I read that he stopped the shoot for like 20 days because someone had, um, someone was so drunk, he had to wait for them to sober up and it took that long. Good Lord. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember. In Prohibition what... era. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, actually it says right after. Right. It took them that long. <laughs> Can you imagine being that drunk? <laughs> yeah. <You're> dead. <laughs> right. Uh. I'm taking care of a few of those people. <laughs> the DTs were, were probably enough to make them start. Have, have you ever seen The Lost Weekend? The Lost yes. Weekend. It was my grandfather's favorite movie who never ever drank because he was a diabetic. That movie scares the shit out of me. Are you kidding me? I have oh seen. Oh my God. And it's in person. I have, I have seen. Quite the DTs. Oh, um, naked lunch and all that. Now okay. it's, it's important to mention that Elsa, uh, that that um, Elsa Lang Lanchester was um, married to um, Charles Lawton. Uh, Lawton. Lawton. Yes, God. I, David was saying something. I couldn't tell what he was saying, but he was saying his last name. Um, and Charles Lawton was a gay man, and she was yep. married to him until his death. <coughs> um, but uh, that's the way things were done. Yes, yes, she was married to him until his death in the sixties. Um, and they starred in a few movies together. And for some reason, I had it in my mind that he was in this movie, but he—he's not in this movie. I don't know why I thought that, but. Um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's 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 kind of full circle with the cast. It's a very um, yeah, and a lot of these cast members they they work together in several you know like different you know productions. Um, you know, like Dwight Fry. You know, he would he had done um, quite a few 
Universal Monsters films, um, like I said, he was Renfield and Dracula, you know, he, he was in those, and then, you know, Bela Lugosi, who wanted, you know, who did not want to play, uh, Frankenstein's monster, ended up playing him in a much later, uh, version when he couldn't get jobs, so it's just, it's weird how all this goes, but I wanted to, uh, bring up something, and I won't talk too much on it and let you guys do it, um, the religious iconography, in, in this, the religious themes, uh, what do we have to say about that? Because I have stuff to say, but I won't go first. Well, the the scene, Candy, we had talked about it when we were watching it, but the scene where you had the, the screen fade out and you just had the, the cross or, you know, the crucified Jesus, you know, yeah. uh, that was left in the scene. And that just, it kind of stood out to me. I was like, wow. But apparently I wasn't, did not like that. Yeah, I wasn't no. expecting that. And then, you know, the, the, the comment, which was, was my quote, about the uh, uh, believing in Bible stories. Um, apparently, originally, it, the line was going to be fairy tales. And the studio was like, no, 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 no. We don't want to do that. Right. Th that sounds too condescending. So use Bible stories. But he said it with such... Disdain. Yeah. Just, and, and, and they were immediately like, oh, shit. We should have shouldn't have changed it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where yeah. the hell they thought that was gonna go, but yeah, okay. the way he practically he... says Bible stories and then it goes for idiots, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for for dummies. And, dummies. And the way that the way that he delivered that line, it was just like, oh, it was so good. I loved it. And what are the the blind man and the monster? What do they share? Wine and bread, the yeah. sacraments, and a yeah. smoke. And a, and a smoke, and a smoke. And just a like smoke. Jesus, the just rectory. like Jesus. <laughs> Jesus liked to blaze up, right? That's right. Twenty. Yeah. <laughs> he took and a rock and he was like, "Smokes for everybody." <laughs> it's only. No, but I thought there's it was the moment where, where uh, the monster is raised up, almost yeah. in a crucifixion pose. That's where I was. Yeah. Gonna yeah. It, if his arms were slightly more outstretched, it would be a little on the nose, but it gets there. It, it's 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 close oh. enough. Yeah, because he starts to kind of move around, but yeah, you do notice that even without the arms completely um, flattened out, like it, it's very crucifix, crucifix-like. There we go, crucifix-like. Um, it's very. It looks like he's being crucified in a way, in that cruciform, you know. Stature. And it's a mob that's doing it to him. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, subtle and not so subtle pokes at uh, Christianity here. Yeah. And I think that that's interesting. Then we also have a lot of gay subtext. We also have, I mean, there's just so much, there are so many fucking layers to this movie. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm clearly, I mean, I already said this once and I will repeat myself. I'm in that camp, but yeah, this is better than Frankenstein. This is a better film. Yeah. And it's, and film. it's, and it's interesting to me too, because as someone who, again, only watched this for the first time last night, that whole the whole concept of homosexuality, I I didn't even think about it when I watched this. But now to hear you guys discuss it, all it's like light bulbs going off in my head. I'm like, oh, you know, I what? didn't bring it up for a reason. That makes sense now. I wanted to see what you were gonna, what you would have to say about it. I I thought if I brought it up last night, it would have been too much. I'm like, no, oh, wait, no. It's I'm glad you didn't because you know, hearing like I'm having these epiphanies now. I'm like remembering these scenes from the film, and I'm like. Oh, I get it now. And and hopefully people that listen to this, if they've never seen it, um, hopefully they'll go watch it before they listen to this so that, you know, 
spoilers on a movie from the 30s, but... <laughs> spoilers on a movie that's almost as... That was, like, yeah, practically as old as my grandparents. Were right, right. Right. Statue of Limitations has passed. But, you know, yeah. there, there are probably people out there who have seen it and... Stuff like that never crossed their mind. I mean, I can't think, I can't tell you how many movies we've discussed. Brain damage being a great example about how I'd never Ryan looked at that. Ryan was there for film. that one. I was like, listen, just hold up and hold your things. Let me say what I have to say yeah. about brain damage. And yeah, then that was one for me too. That was an epiphany for me. Brain damage was one of those ones for me like that. Yeah. Where yeah. I was like, I'd never seen it before. You, and I was absolutely like, wow. Makes yeah, you look at a film a completely together. different way. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, I was crying during that episode. Yeah, I was, that was, like, that was but a heart, I, I, heartbreaking. I, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was one of those that, that I, I just felt I would be remiss. Like, I'm like, I want to do this movie, and people are going to think it's going to be about one thing, and I'm like, no, no, no. No, I'm, I'm so doing. grateful for you exposing me to that film. That film really, just really affected me. The, the, yeah. Yeah. My brother just got me the special Arrow edition Blu-ray of it, uh-huh. so, oh, and the district Elmer. Set. Yeah. Like, so oh, good. Oh, it's great. I love it. Um, but yeah, um, going back to this film, um, yeah, I, I, um, I want to urge. You know, you know, we were just talking about like urging people, to, you know, to go and rewatch this or go and and whatever. And I think you know, especially with the prominence, I Universal most of their stuff. I have a lot of it through Rock Rebel, um, which is a brand I buy a lot of purses through them. I buy them with all like the uh, famous. Universal Monsters and stuff like that, but there are a lot of, uh, it's just sort of like a punk, goth, icon thing to have the Bride of Frankenstein on there, and I'm like, have you seen the movie? And I'm not trying to be that asshole, like I'm cooler than you, or you pose right. off. I'm just like, you're missing out. If you think she looks cool, you need to watch the movie, and you're going to say, wow, the whole fucking thing is cool, and there's this wonderful experience just waiting for me, and I'm jealous of you. Like Ryan was talking about, I saw this as a kid. My grandfather wasn't a whore, and so the first horror that I was really exposed to was like, the stuff that our local horror host would play, which is like the old stuff, like, you know, teenagers from outer space and shit like that, but, you know, sci-fi horror, but, you know, and then he would show me, um, Universal Monster stuff, although I say that my first official, um, movie, which was also a black and white one, was Night of the Living Dead, it was my first movie as a fan, but, um, I was exposed to all this young, and I'd love to go and I wish I could, there's, there's some movies I really wish I could just wipe my memory and watch it for the first time again. So mm-hmm. I'm jealous. I, I live vicariously. When my kids want to see these movies or I'm, or sometimes I'm educating them, like, sit down, we're going to watch this movie. Um, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm just watching, I'm kind of watching them because there's some, there's a joy um, to it. Like, I'm, I'm sort of, part of me is experiencing it for the first time again. Right. You know, and I'm just like really like feeding off the energy instead of just me popping it and watching it for the 50th time. Um, you know, it's their first time, so it's a little bit my first time, too. And, so, and all know. of that joy got sucked away the first time our son watched The Exorcist. Oh, my God. Like, that's it? And yeah. I was like, what do you mean that? He, he wasn't impressed at all. And I'm like, what? And then right. That's right. We're going to watch it again. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. My mother made green Kool-Aid and told me nothing of what was in the film. Yeah. And I was in grade school, and we watched it, and I was, like, traumatized. Yeah. But, okay. You know what we should have done? We should have been, strap in. We're going to watch Exorcist 2. You'll appreciate the first one. So okay. Much. So we might, if we make him watch Exorcist 2, he'll never watch another movie with us again. Yeah. You no, you get those, like, clockwork orange Thing. <laughs> Put them in an yeah. apparatus. Yeah. It drops. Oh, that's fucking. <laughs> but yeah, but um, so if so, 
that's what what we're doing is urging like yeah we're talking all about this film if you haven't seen it um it's not really ruining anything the experience and because i could sit here and tell you the whole plot of day of the dead but and if you haven't mm -hmm. seen it you should still watch it because the experience is so different than me trying to tell you about it um right. or, or talking about the points like i could tell you every fucking plot point but experiencing it is a whole different thing and this is something that should be experienced and i'm jealous of you all who are about to go watch it or who have yet to watch it and are going to watch it like do it yeah um, I, and it's a short runtime too what seven yeah. i think it was like wait till we get the freaks and we'll yeah. talk about that because we're yeah. doing freaks this season too this oh, is awesome. the context in order to process it the right way. This is not a spoiler. This is giving you the background. This is going to, whoever, whoever hasn't seen this movie and listen to this conversation and then going to see it is going to actually enjoy it probably more than had they not done that. Oh, I agree. Definitely a lot of food for thought. Like when we brought up some of the things that Sean's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you know, no, and I and I think that's it. I think that's important. You know, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I listened to our buddy Ian, who does uh, podcast to the damned. Um, he and Nico had a friend of ours, Boomer, on, and they talked about Lost Boys too. And I had never seen that film, and because I listened to their podcast, I will never watch that film. Well, I would have told you that much. Is that the first? Is that is that the second one, or is that a different one? Yeah, that's the second one. Okay. Yeah, Lost never seen to the I, I, I worked at a blockbuster, but never saw it. <laughs> I remember seeing the cover for it, and I was like, oh, look, Corey Feldman's in that one, too. And oh. that was it. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. I'm still surprised yeah. he's alive. Me too. So well, is he. I think we had that. Yeah. <laughs> this is a surprise. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like I like when people you know, say I, that to Keeper Sutherland. Like I think it was on a uh, me. Like every day when he like, opens his eyes, you know, holy shit, I'm still here. I do that. I have days like that. Yeah, that's me. Keeper yeah. Sutherland on Mean Tweets. They're like, I was gonna say something about Keeper Sutherland because I thought he was dead, and then I remembered, oh my god, he's alive. And then Keeper Sutherland's, just, you know, because he reads the tweet and he looks up and he's like, it's not for lack of trying, dude. <laughs> no, I, my, 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 just a little bit of an aside, but my daughter Zoe was really into, she really had a, developed a thing for um, Robert Downey Jr. when Iron Man came out. And I had to explain to her, there was a time Ooh, you know, yeah, he where was... we never thought he would make it to his 30s. You right. Know? And, oh, yeah. and now look at When him, he was like, basically you know, playing himself in less than right. zero. And, 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 and yeah. it's interesting that you know her being from the next generation didn't, doesn't know that part of his background. She I was telling, I think, our daughter that one, and she was like, what? And I'm like, it's oh, like no, yeah. we, we never thought he would make it, you know, him and Britney Spears. I never thought they'd make it to their 30s, you, you know? Stop right there. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and my favorite Downey Jr. role, though, is the Elton John music video he did, and he's got his ankle bracelet on. <laughs> right. Elton John had to bust him out just to do the music video. Elton John is actually his sponsor, so that's Well, my... I just, I'm just, all my props go to Wayne Gale. And natural born Wayne Gale here. Wayne Gale. Yes. Standing on highway six six six. I love it. I love how he thinks he's scot free. It's like nah. No. You leech, fuck you. That's a whole nother conversation. That. However, I did want to say that I had. Speaking of not seeing things, when we watched this yesterday. I was telling Dave how Dr. Uh, Pretorius reminded me of Disney's uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, 
Claude Frollo. Yeah, Frollo. Yeah, yes, obviously just, with crest. Angry. I, I, I thought of that too, but I knew Sean had never ever seen it, so I didn't bother. I did, that, I that I'd never know. seen what? The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I didn't know, I know that he it. hadn't seen it well, because it seemed seen it. like it seemed like a movie Zoe would have attached to. So I, I didn't know Dave had not seen it. So now I'm gonna have to make Dave. I was in high school it. when it came out, and when I was in high school, any Disney movie that came out, I went and saw it. I'm glad I'm not alone in this, Dave. My sister attached to that so bad. She attached to that and Hocus Pocus so oh, bad. Hocus Pocus. That I remember hiding the VHSs, and I still don't know where they were hidden, and we still didn't I find them. I would have broken Hocus Pocus in half and been like, oh, no, it broke. Oh, no, I love Hocus Pocus, but I was so tired of watching it. But I'm tired of watching it, and I haven't watched it in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> I like Hocus Pocus. I really do. But uh, I couldn't watch it no mo's. Um <laughs> But, um, yeah, I hid that shit. So, <clears throat> odd for me to ask this when we're clearly talking about the Frankenstein's monster and or the Bride of Frankenstein here. But uh, I just, I'm curious who, I guess these are two separate questions. What's your favorite Universal Monsters movie? And what's your favorite character? Oh, wow. Do we need Coming to with the hard questions. Well, I can give you... Mine's easy. My my favorite... I think my favorite Universal Monster movie is Creature from the Black Lagoon. Well, I, I know your answer. So. The, he was terrifying. That that monster is actually terrifying. The gills. When I was a little kid, seeing that the, 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 with the gills and the... Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was an early one that I did see uh, from Sammy Terry. Uh, which was our local late night horror host. He's always in our intros. It'd be that laugh that's in yeah, our, our intros every intros, time. That's, that's always Sammy. Yes, God, that's such a he, good It was laugh. kind of like Spangoli, but he's actually like really scary. He's creepy. Where Spangoli isn't scary. He's more funny. Okay, well, so, I'll, like, I'll, I'll go. I, I love, and then we, I could go on for an hour, but I love Doctor Pretorius. He is, he is, he's wicked. He's subversive. He. He, you know, uh, Frankenstein, first of all, I love the retcon. If you watch the end of the first movie, there's no way Frankenstein survived that being tossed off the windmill, bouncing I off said the that. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love like, like a, a day and a half later, he's, I'm almost back to my old self. Weren't yeah. you just tossed from like 150 feet up? And Back in the day, th like that's what they do. They It like, was early. It was early like, put him in bed. They'll be fine. Yeah. This is but, what but, happens when Doc Dr. Strange fucks with the multiverse. Is that, yeah. yeah, right. Well, we never did get the dark. We haven't even talked about the dark universe kind of failure. The whole yeah, but we were yeah, yeah. But uh, but I love Pretorius. He shows up with Frankenstein. Thinks like, okay, I survived this. Uh, I'm here with my beautiful bride. Everything's gonna be great. And Pretorius shows up and says, "Just wait a second. And he talks him into it. And 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 he Pretorius is just so wicked. And he's a little bitter. You know, you can tell because he's an older man. He's apparently been you know repressed his whole life by society. And he's like, I'm done fucking around. I'm going to, you know, he, he has a picnic on the top of a coffin for crying out loud in this movie. He breaks out his little chicken and his wine bottle. And just in there like, dude, what? And he's all happy and giggling. And he is so subversive. I love that. And I think that's James Whale 
that that's Pretorius is his, that's his voice. You know, I, I'm going to put this wicked man in there. Who's going to just come in and fuck everybody else, everyone with their normal psychology, you know, their, their Christianity. And I'm going to just subvert it all. I see nothing wrong with using that as a table. With the coffin? Yeah. But there was like a body inside it, wouldn't it? Like, I mean, oh. it's a table. If I got to eat, I'm going to eat. I don't know. <laughs> I've been known to eat in, in cemeteries, but I don't. I'm not going to eat all. Nurse I've, I've been known to eat in a KFC, so I mean, there's not much. Of a right. Let me put it this way to you: the outside of the coffin's cleaner than the inside of the coffin. I'm not going to argue that. Point. Okay. Not with the nurse, but and 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 then the monster when he's um, when Pretorius and the two gravedigger guys, um, Carl and the other guy whose name I have no idea. We'll call him Mo. They're like they comment on the girl's appearance. They open, they pull off the coffin lid, and the, and the one guy says, "You know, she." Was pretty in her way, and Pretorius couldn't care less. He goes, "What is it? I hope her bones are are sturdy." Yeah, I hope she like, he couldn't bones. give a shit. That's from the, he, he couldn't yeah. give a shit what she looks like physically because he's not into that. He just he just wants material for his is you know what he wants to build. What, creation. I, yeah, I, I, creation. I, I, I love Pretorius. I need to get a Pretorius tattoo. Is what I need to do. There we go. Yeah, and you got to put. <laughs> to a new world of gods and monsters. Of gods and monsters, yeah, right. They tampered and God still mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a... Oh. Okay, um, so... Crystal, I mean, what's your answers? What's uh, answer? So, like, as far as uh, Universal Movies, Dracula, but as far as... <laughs> yes, you must be Hungarian and you must be double-jointed. Double-jointed. <laughs> um, but as far as monsters, it's a little vain, but I'm going with the bride of Frankenstein because this is black and white, but little known fact, she's redheaded. Yes, she was redheaded. Yeah. So, and she's a bad bitch. She is a bad bitch. Yeah. I love the way she hisses. It's, it's based on it's Green based on goose hisses and it's played backwards. Yeah, no, goose, geese, geese. I was going to say gooses. Geese <laughs> are evil creatures. They're the work of the devil. You know, we had a pond near where I grew up, and they had Canadian we geese. We got a pond with, out back with geese. With Canadian geese. Canadian geese are Satan with wings. But they if have you don't, four rows of teeth, and I've been bitten say, by them all over it, my body. Geese have multiple rows. but And I love the way, like, you go down, there's a kid, and be feeding them bread, and they'd still hiss at you and bite you while you're feeding them. You know, it's like this It's like this. Uh, this, this uh, abusive relationship. I'm feeding them, and they're biting me, and I keep feeding them. Yeah, geese are evil, and I, I love the fact. In bite marks all over my body. If you guys remember when we recorded Society, we were in the garage. It was in the, it was season two. The shunting. summer, so we had the, the thing, and a bird flew in. I kept screaming as we were recording. <laughs> I don't think I've ever laughed so hard. The bird, they, they the, use their the, wings to intimidate you. We had the garage door open, and the bird was, it was a pigeon, and it was just perched on the top of that open garage door just staring. And anytime staring. it flap its wings a little bit, I'd scream. Yeah. Because it echo in here, and I'm like, we're recording society, we're talking about it, and I'm like screaming. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Candy, I, I, I know you and I have talked about it, and I know you're like terrified. I'm terrified of peacocks because it got chased by one. Oh, fuck peacocks too, and and emu, all of the, all of it, all of them. All I will birds. eat an emu in a heartbeat, but like, I will eat birds. I don't like, fuck with birds though. Fuck alive. peacocks, and we have a dinosaurs. Uh, we have a a um um theme park. In South Georgia, that is like a animal park too, 
And they little did those, I know, they call those zoos. <laughs> well, well, this is like a water park and a roller coaster like park. And little did I know when I volunteered as a nurse to be like a chaperone for these kids uh, that they let peacocks roam around. <laughs> that um, peacocks roam around, and so I'm standing in line. I'm like, with fuck these. them kids. Well, yes, that's kind of what happened. I'm standing in line with these kids to ride the roller coaster with them. And this peacock is just walking around. And I was like, look, y'all, thank God it was like 16, 17 year old high schools. I said, look, if that peacock makes it any closer to us, y'all stay in line. He's lunch. And y'all ride the ride. I'm going to do saddle, (laughs) y'all. And they were like, you can't leave us. And I said, if that peacock gets any closer to us, y'all get on this ride that y'all want to ride. I puke when I go upside down anyway. Get on this ride. I'm gone. And they were like, it's a peacock. And I'm like, I'm gone. That How peacock, yeah, that peacock walked on right on up like it heard its name. Like, hey, what's up? Y'all got something for me? I was gone in 60 seconds. I don't know what happened to them kids. And another chaperone walked up like, where's your group? And I was like, fuck you. I don't know. <laughs> um, peacock. They died. No. Birds are, birds are Y'all didn't tell me peacocks were here. I wouldn't have come. Birds yeah. Right. See, see, if, if Birdemic oh. if Birdemic would have been about geese, like, oh. totally would have been believe- Totally believable. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Have you seen Birdemic? Yes, C- couple I've times. seen Birdemic. Couple times, which is saw, fucking weird. But I've seen Birdemic, but not on rig tracks. I saw Birdemic just watching it. So you're just like a glutton for punishment. Okay. Yes. Uh, she, she dates me, don't she? Thank you. Aww, good night. Good night. Baby. <laughs> um, so, Ryan, let's get to you. Uh, favorite Universal Monsters movie and character or, you know, same or one or whatever. Favorite movie, uh, easily Bride of Frankenstein, without a, not even close uh, with the other ones. And I, I love the, at least the first ones of each franchise, I think, are strong. But then as the sequels go on and eventually Abbott and Costello have to meet them, uh, that's yeah. when they start to lose me. Uh, but favorite character has to be the Wolfman. Simply because he's the only character in movie history to be both a metaphor for alcoholism and puberty. Yeah, and that is a wide range. You're covering a lot of ground with those two ideas. Yes, you are. Yeah, and those effects for the time period. And Lon Chaney Jr. was such a tragic. He was such a tragic character in his own life too. Yeah, Yeah, Lon Chaney Jr. I mean, he he never Larry Talbot in his real life. Yeah, when you watch that, knowing how he, what happened to him, yeah. And he can never outlive his his father's shadow. Launching and he TV. tried so hard. Have you ever seen that video of him doing the Frankenstein live, like on old TV? Oh. And he was so drunk, like he thought they were doing a dress rehearsal, so he wasn't smashing the furniture. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen this video? Uh, yeah, I think so. And he's it, it, it's yeah. Uh, Launching Junior's life was so tragic. So well, that's why I have a, a lot of trouble watching the MST3K um, episode of the uh, God, Indestructible, Indestructible Man. Man. Indestructible Man, right. That was near the end of his life. And We're apparently he right. The reason so like, he was drunk, he couldn't even say lines. He couldn't. Yeah, yes, apparently they, they were sad. like, don't, don't do any script changes after noon because Lon will just be fucking so drunk he can't handle the script changes. 
Yeah. So true. And actually, an actor of some talent, but just could not yeah, I mean, escape he his father's his, his father's shadow. I mean, because like to this day is a fucking legend. So going back to watch the Wolfman now, yeah, that just adds to the tragedy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I I'm a big fan of the Wolfman actually. Um, yeah, and, and puberty so gonna, was rough. Yeah. So for my answer, I'm gonna give my mom's answer real quick, and she would say the Wolfman. Um, that was the one that she liked to show me the most when I was a kid. Um, she loves Wolfman. She was talking about, you know, the effects were like top notch at the time with you know, we had the time lapse on, you know, screen transformation into the werewolf, which a lot of people say, Oh, it looks like shit now. But I'm like, no, it to me it never will. It never will. Because it was like laying the groundwork of shit that we would get later on in like, you know, American Werewolf from London, um Howling. Howling, all these famous uh world movies. This is the first one where he, he changes on screen. And it, it was pretty, you know, like crazy stuff for the time. And, and it was a really, he was so great in that movie. Um, my mom is also a fan of Creature of the Black, from the Black Lagoon, which um, I watched a lot as well. But we know that I love Dracula, but actually it is not my, he is my favorite character. Um, as portrayed perfectly by Bela Lugosi. I was talking a little bit about Bela Lugosi's past last night because we kind of went on from this little tangent talking about, you know, just some of uh, Universal Monsters and, and some of the actors. And, you know, Bela Lugosi had obviously a very tragic life. And I could talk about that forever. We did talk about that when we did Ed Wood a little bit. But, um, you know, he when in Hungary, he was like the most famous actor in Hungary. And, uh, you know, a stage actor, he played like Jesus Christ, he played all these famous roles, he comes to Hollywood, he, and by the time that they made Dracula in 1931, he was in his mid-30s, I mean, he wasn't a young, young guy, and, um, you know, I thought there was nobody else to this day, and as much as I love a lot of the other iterations of Dracula, there's no one else that is Dracula, the way that Bella is, given where he was from, given the way that, you know, his portrayal was it, it was perfect so as for like my favorite character or villain it would have to be dracula but the movie's fucking boring unless bella's on screen it's really fucking boring i'm gonna be really honest and most people are like oh, scandalous candy you you don't like dracula well not really i mean there's somebody i actually like the invisible man quite a bit and i actually further to be surprising I actually liked uh, Lee Winnell's remake of it. Uh, thought did a fantastic job, and that is. I how was on board doing... until the end. Absolutely oh. on board until that ending. But yeah, I, great movie. The ending was its weakest part, but I really was overall. It, they, he did a much better job with it than I expected. I so that and with no money, no, yeah, with not a so, single dollar. Right, and so and Elizabeth Moss, you know, back hurting from carrying that movie, like she was phenomenal. She's phenomenal in every fucking thing she does. So yeah. I was very excited to see it, and I was very, you know, please, because that could have gone wrong very quickly, or it could have been not that great. And and I mean, I still think it was, you know, worth talking about, and it was a worthy remake. You know, we don't get a lot of those, but uh, yeah, I really enjoy because I love Claude Rains, and you know, The Invisible Man is such a, a weird you know, what would you, you know, like a what if kind of scenario where, okay, so we all have like a good side and a bad side. And and most of us, we don't pay heed to the bad side or bad, you know, the evil part of us too much. But if you're put in a certain situation with these certain conditions, how evil would you get, you know? And I think a lot of people would go down that route. And I don't think a lot of people... um that's the only Hoosier word I say is route. Um, by the way, 
I never say root. I say route. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so I, I like how it's sort of that descent into that, and I think a lot of people don't give it enough thought, because as far as, like, the Invisible Man, and, and, you know, I don't think people talk about Claude Rains enough outside of Casablanca, I'm showing my film geek, uh, roots here, but, yeah, he was amazing, he was really, really good, this, becoming this complete and utter, you know, horrific villain, and uh, so I really think that that one should be revisited by a lot of people. And um, honestly, Bride of Frankenstein much better than uh, the original. So, you know, um, I never have just one answer. But I would oh, say... Oh, we know. We know. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> so, so it's a three-way tie on the movie. Uh, Miserable Man, Bride of Frankenstein, and uh, The Wolfman for me. But, of course, Dracula is my favorite character. So, yeah. So rewatch The Invisible Man, everyone, please. Love that movie. Love it. So great. I have a shirt. I met you. Uno Connor again. Yeah, I mean she uh she made a her and her and Dwight Fry were just making the rounds, but that you know, The Invisible Man was also directed by James Whale. So and the special effects were so uh, cutting edge for its day. Absolutely. The scene where he removes the bandages at the end is still, I think, an all-timer. Like, yeah. even even if you know exactly how you how they did it, and I've I've studied that thing like religiously, it's still it's like a magic trick. Yeah, it's still being performed like right in front of your eyes. It's amazing. Yeah, and his and his insane cackle as he runs around the room, yeah. you know, yeah. frightening yeah. the villagers. I love it. <laughs> and Claude Rains, when you think about it, like, you know, we, we're used to seeing him as lovable scamp type characters. And I mean, he was just straight up fucking evil. He got real fucking evil in that. And it's like, it's chilling. And I, I just think that one gets overlooked a lot. But yeah, I just like to point out that that one is also a James Whale film. A James so, Whale joint. A James <laughs> Whale joint. That's right. That's right. So, did you collect shitty reviews for this? I did. Where'd he go? Oh, I have to keep talking. He came out to have a cigarette. Okay. So, um, Ryan, you're a guest. Um, is, what, is there something you'd like to touch on before we get to the shitty reviews? Uh, no, because I'm so I'm so fascinated. Shitty reviews. I, I can't wait to hear them. <laughs> and see, what I tell people is, and it's only on rare occasions that I know what they are. He, he usually, when he's reading them, it's the first time I, I know what they are, is when you guys are finding them out. So, um, cause it's usually a little secret. So when I'm getting mad about them, it's because it's my first time hearing them and I'm like, oh, what fucking, and I'm sure it's going to be, and this is my little prediction, a bunch of people who don't understand classic film. So this is your version of mean tweets where you're reading it in, 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 in real time reacting yes. to them. Yes. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. So he finds, you know, these bad reviews and, um, but like I said, it's not like we don't look at each other's notes. We don't know what the other person's going to say. We usually don't know the other person's quote unless we throw it in chat, which I, we always forget about that. And um, so when he reads these, sometimes I'm just like getting pissed off in the middle. He's like, I, oh, Candy, calm down, calm down. Just wait. Yeah, I didn't just write wait. this shit, you know. I'm just like, how will the fuck? just the messenger. <laughs> See, I can't like, because I'm so, you know, classic film is so precious to me. Um, I get really, really wound up because it's a bunch of people who are just like, oh my God, not, they're just like, I won't watch anything that's in black and white. And I'm like, wow, you are just missing the fuck out. You fucking 
you were just miserable. Yeah, and take it from me as someone who never really watched a whole lot of black and white films. I was missing out. I was totally missing out. I didn't get to watch Pan's Labyrinth till a couple of months ago because my ex-husband just absolutely refused to watch uh, a movie with subtitles. Oh, dear God. Yeah, that's grounds for divorce. Yeah. (laughs) I told Sean when we got together, I was like, I watch Mystery Science Theater every night and I watch classic films and you're going to have to like both of them because I'm not getting rid of them. Yep. Yeah, yeah I'm not giving them up. We, and um, here I am. Going back to the Invisible Man remake, we watched that, and it it um, it was good. It gave me nightmares for about a week, but that that was because of the, the domestic violence. But the subject matter, um, same thing yeah. with me. Yeah. I was very like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Yeah, but it, but I mean, it was it, worth it. Yeah, it was a good remake. It, it means it did what it was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, so I'm going to jump into this before I do, Crystal, before I ask for the theme song. Um, I just want to say, like, I looked on Rotten Tomatoes, and the critics gave this 98%. Awesome. At one point, at one point, this was at 100% on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. By the, oh, by, what from happened? The, from the critics. There was one critic, and he's going to be my first shitty review. But... Aww. Our our good friend of the show, Roger Ebert. <laughs> what? Oh God! What? Our good friend. I say that you know. We say that in. We say that's It's, it's in, Roger it's, Ebert didn't like this movie. No, 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 no. He's he's he liked it. That's why I wanted I wanted to. Oh, to point okay. This out. Good. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to point Never this out. In God's domain. We we use Roger Ebert. Kind of as a control because he hates horror. That so is true. Much. Yes, that he is hates true. horror. He shits. We actually on used so him films. and Gene Siskel for our intro for, for Maniac. Maniac. They tried yeah. to ban. They tried to ban it. Yeah, but but no no. Here here's what Roger Ebert said. He gave it four out of four, and he said he said seen today, Wales masterpiece is more surprising when it was made. Because today's audiences are more alert to its buried hints of homosexuality, necrophilia, and sacrilege. But you don't need to deconstruct it to enjoy it. So that was Roger Ebert. Four out of four. Crystal? Wow, 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 wow. It changes every week, I swear. It does. <laughs> I'm not sure it's getting better. Right. <laughs> Right. Wow. Okay. So our first one comes from that one critic who who shit on this. And he gave it a five out of ten, so not not you know not a one out of ten, which is what I usually use. Um, yeah, it'd be hard pressed to find that. Yeah, he says uh, the chief new element is the monster's bride, played by Elsa Lanchester, who doesn't appear in her entirety until approximately five minutes before the movie ends. That was his biggest complaint. Well, yeah. And he um, gave it a five out of ten. So there's yeah. that. Well. You know, if you're going to quibble, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. 
All right, so I'm going to run through these. I got there were only I only found like two on IMDb. The rest are from Rotten Tomatoes. Um, okay. Our first one says uh, uh, almost pointless. While it was nice to see the more human side of Frankenstein and his desire to fit in, this movie was pointless. Especially the last ten minutes of the bride part, completely pointless. I liked the first Frankenstein, but this one straight up sucked. Our next one is uh, uh, from James O. He says it's aged about as well as your great 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 grandma. This is f- this film is dead. Boris tried hard, but he's as bad as all the other melodramatic parts in this film. Elmer F says I do not care for this film. That's it. A guy named Elmer. Fuck you. <laughs> Wait, Elmer F. So is he like worried about like wascally wabbits and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dane T says, uh, turns everything that was good about its predecessor into a joke. Devin S says, this film has no point whatsoever. Who the heck would like this sorry piece of crap? The bride shows up at the last five minutes of the movie. I freaking hate this movie. The original was a genuine classic of monster films, and they ruined this movie. The monster sucks in this movie. Why? He talks, he smokes cigars, he drinks wine... He's such a wuss. This movie sucks. Don't watch it. They clearly never read the fucking novel. Read a book, bitch. (laughs) You tell them. Right. Uh, This is from Words Like Violence. Um, Has everyone taken crazy pills? This was the one film where I genuinely thought, my God, what the hell's going on? What a pointless storyline. I know I have to take into consideration the time in which it was made, but come on, this film is dreadful. The only thing I could think about when watching this film was how comfortable the seat was. The best thing about this film was that it ended, which, by the way, couldn't come quick enough. I hated every miserable moment of this film, which which is inevitably haunted me for the rest of my life. And last but not least, this is from... Hanobo. <laughs> what kind of name is that? Okay. I, I loved the original. This movie sucks. Crappy acting, dialogue, story sets, music, cinematography, no horror, humor is garbage. Long live the original Frankenstein, 10 stars. My rating for Bride, for Blasphemy, is zero. Okay. Somebody's been spending all their time in church, I guess. Instead of watching good movies. <laughs> for Blasphemy. They were blasphemous. I have to give it zero. <laughs> I don't know. Don't take yourself that seriously. It's like, no, like, whatever your religious beliefs are or they aren't, like, you can't rate a movie based on your religious beliefs or lack thereof. Right. If you That's are, then why are you wa- Yeah, like, why are you watching a fucking movie where they clearly have different ideas than you? If right. you don't right. like other people's ideas, well, don't do anything. Don't read books. Don't watch TV. And don't watch fucking movies. Fuck you. And and right. I and I think you know people hear hear the name uh, the Bride of Frankenstein, and all you all you think you see of the Bride is that last five minutes, but I don't think they quite understand that she wasn't the only Bride of Frankenstein in this film. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like like the you hermit. have you well you have you have you know Doctor Frankenstein's Bride. Who gets kidnapped? 
Yes. You know what I'm saying? And and his 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 new, you know, the newlywed marriage gets disturbed by Pretorius. So you have I'll that I'll be there whole, with you on your wedding night. Well, that's from the book. Yeah, but you have that whole story about the bride of Frankenstein and then you have Frankenstein's mate at the end. So I mean it's the whole film is really about the bride of Frankenstein. Just we're just talking about two different brides here, two different mates. And there was a lot of controversy too with um, the actress that played the um, Bride of Frankenstein, not not Elsa Lancaster, but uh, the actual lady who, who gets plays Elizabeth. Yes, thank you. Well, uh, she was she different was... than the the first Elizabeth. Yeah. Well, yeah, but she's also seventeen, and he was thirty five. Well, that wasn't that weird for the time period it was set. Nope. Which is creepy, but that's just how the most the, the most heartbreaking thing about this film to me is every time the monster encounters a new person, he says friend. 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 He says that word so many times and it just doesn't work out for him. Doesn't work for me either. That's why I think the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing before we start into our reviews, I wanted to point out is why was it that like every single because we watched The Black Cat recently because I had to show it to Sean. It's one of my favorite, favorite fucking films. And it's uh, Karloff and Lugosi. And yes. Sort of a switcheroo it. type roles for them a little bit, you know, uh, with Karloff being the heavy and Bella being sort of the good guy in a way. But why are all these old castles or houses rigged to have one lever that makes them explode? <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. He said that before we before we got on the call. But yeah, we, like I said, we, we I think it was what was it last week we watched uh, the Black Cat or the week before because I told you it was one of my favorite films of all time. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's that one thing. He's like, well, if I do this, the whole place will explode because it's rigged with dynamite. I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? Right. Well, you know, just in case I need to blow up my whole entire house, I have this. Or what if someone breaks in and does it to me? That'll never happen. I've got Satan on my side or whatever if yeah. you're Carla's character who is literally a Satanist in it. Well, um, you know you know that one light switch in the living room that no one ever uses? I've used it before. Ooh. Nothing blew up. Don't so don't you, use it you anymore. Check your connections. <laughs> your chug night was not whatever. Um but yeah, so you know, that that part at the end, you know, where he's like, We belong dead. And then, you know, there's our magic lever. Psh, okay, so now everything's going to explode and we're all going to die. And, and, and I, love that, I love that Pretorius is like, don't touch that lever. Why the fuck did you put it in that? Wait, wait, wait. Why is there that lever story. then? <laughs> it's a Dr. Doofenshmirtz lever. <laughs> okay. It, it is one of those safety failures. It came with the fucking castle. There, they, I guess. They it knew was it was there. Them back in the day. It's one of those. They knew it was there. They didn't quite know what it was for. But then they were like, fucking pull the lever. Yeah, I think the realtor would have mentioned it's that. By the easy. way, by the way, don't touch this lever. You know, yeah. blow the no, place. no, it's kind of one of those. Frankenstein's monster who's just like, pull the lever. You know, let's, let's Frankenstein and, and, and his, his wife go, which, you know, 
shows, you know, some humanity on his part because, like, in the book, he would not have done that. And when he reaches right. up to the lever, he sheds a tear. He sheds, he sheds a, tear. a single tear. Like, yeah. we belong dead. And, you know, explodes the the, the place, the laboratory yeah. or whatever. And it's like, wow. I, I mean, back in the 30s, like, everything was just rigged with dynamite. I, just I guess somebody, it was, yeah. Come along and destroy it. So OSHA, I, I, OSHA I think, would have a field day. Oh shit! It's called efficiency, right? folks. It's called efficiency. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, hey, how do we end the movie? I know. Deus ex machina. Don't pull yeah. the fucking lever. Yeah. Oh no, you pull the lever. Now the movie has to end. You, you can't arrest what you can't find. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, to our ratings, um, for me, um, I give this ten out of ten. Friends with a question mark. <laughs> um, I actually had down a 9.5, but as usual, when we talk, I, my score goes up dramatically and I, I give pretty high scores to almost everything. Um, but yeah, the, this movie, the more that we talked about it, I mean, I was pretty sure of it, how I felt, but then talking about it amongst like-minded individuals, I was like, oh yeah, this has to, that's, it has to be a 10 because if I like it more than I like the first one, which I do, um, and I would rate that one super high. Like, this has to be a 10. So, um, it just gets all the right things right. Um, Uno, Connor, like, she kind of gets on my nerves a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. And I, I didn't want to say it earlier, but during my review. Oh, honey. No. You are entitled to your opinion. No feelings hurt. You're just like, you bitch. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, it, it's just like she she overplays but it doesn't detract from the film whatsoever. Like, I'm just more like, give me my Dwight Fry if we're talking character actors. I want him. Right. You know, because I always think of him as Renfield and, like, nobody else in the world is Renfield to me. But um, but he's just really great in all these, like, little crazy side characters or fiends or, you know, assistants. And, yeah, so we just had uh, a stellar cast on this, uh, stellar crew. Yes, um, and a lot of... Tragic backstory that fits in well with the subject matter. Um, it's absolutely a classic for a reason. Um, and again, if you haven't watched it and you're still listening to this, we we really haven't ruined too much for you. Uh, if you're the kind of person that lets people ruin things for you, like, yeah, you could sit here and tell me everything that happens in all seasons of Game of Thrones. I'm still going to watch the fucker and, and enjoy it because it's the experience. So, and, you know, you, you it's one of those, you have to see it. It's a bucket list thing. If you're a horror fan, you can't just stop at the 80s. You have to go all the way back. If you want to call yourself somebody who knows what they're fucking talking about, and you may not like it, but you might. And it might urge you to seek out some of the other films. And we will be covering um, a lot more classics this season. So um, I'm very excited for that. But I'm really glad we could have this conversation. And uh, 10 out of 10 friends. Yeah, and like Candy, I uh, I had this at, at nine out of ten, and our conversation like really made me reconsider that. Um, just just seeing the different, you know, like the homosexual, you know, uh, things that were hidden throughout, and you know, just stuff that didn't even really cross my mind. So uh, so I had to bump it up. So I'm giving it a ten out of ten. Smoking monsters. Um, <laughs> I just I had a blast watching this. I really enjoyed it, um, and that's always that had always been something of a I don't want to say a fear for me, but like going back and watching classic movies. Like I just you know I was I, I grew up in a time where 
you know, we had a certain technology and I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to have that if I go back in time. But it's so interesting going back and watching older movies with a different perspective um, and seeing what they're able to do with limited resources. And it continuously blows my mind. Every time, every film we, that Candy has shown me, um, you know, I talked about this when we did The Fly, um, just some of the effects that they used in that film, it, it really just blew my mind uh, because I don't expect it. I don't expect it growing up, you know, in the 80s watching movies, you know, that that had all of these technological advances. So um, I loved the, uh, the soundtrack, the score to this was great. Uh, the cinematography, especially, you know, near the end when they get into the laboratory, um, you get those Dutch angles, you know, and um, it just, everything about this just, you know, blew me away, and, and Pretorius was off the hook. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I definitely got to give this 10 out of 10 Smoking Monsters. Okay, uh, Ryan. Uh, obviously, it's a 4 out of 10. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, get out! Uh, this is a, a 10 out of 10 camp monologues. Uh, just a, a perfect film. L- literally perfect. I Every single time I watch it, I keep thinking, well, this is going to be the time that I notice something that I don't like, and that time never happens. And I, I try not to revisit movies too many times simply because I, I reach a certain point, and I never want to go lower than that. But Bride of Frankenstein has never been subject to that. If anything, my esteem grows every single time I watch it. It's perfect. And if we could only have that with all the movies that we love, that's a perfect review. I love it. Yeah. I give your review a 10 out of 10. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Crystal. I'm, I'm going to give this um, 9 out of 10 dishcloths on heads. Uh, there were a lot of ladies wearing dishcloths on heads um there were you want to argue okay um i love this movie um i love una's performance in this everybody that's in this movie um did did great i think that my subtraction from my 10 out of 10 is that this was an early sequel and there are some continuity errors um going forward we didn't talk about the little girl that um uh passes uh, in the first one her dad's name changes from the <laughs> yeah. first one to this one yeah. um and the entirety of uh, i was dying laughing uh when we watched this last night with the wife or the mother of the child uh, at the beginning of the movie uh, is telling her husband, don't go into this heap of a fire of a house at the beginning of the movie. And he just dives in. And then she realizes that someone's crawling out and she's like reaching for the hand. And I'm like, you don't realize that's not your husband. You're not even looking. And you're pulling the monster out. You're not even looking. And then you realize, and he just flings her in. It's just like a bike just flung in. I'm like, you deserve to die, lady, okay? You just didn't even, you just, you just didn't even look. Um, but it's a great movie. I liken 
so we've talked about a lot of people who don't watch black and white movies. So I liken that to kids nowadays that are so used to 3D animation that they don't watch 2D animation. I love 2D so, so I liken that to kids that will watch things like Frozen or Frozen Ever After, things like that, but they won't give The Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast or Lion King, things like that. It's back of Notre Dame. Right. They won't look at that because it's not something they're used to. See, my kids were never like that, though. Right. But your kids are older. So, like, shiny. When they were little, I think it's all about, like, sometimes the parents. It's all about how you present things. So, Cheyenne, Cheyenne is six. In the way that I present things, I notice she will pay attention to things that are more 3D than 2D. But she loves The Little Mermaid. So, I can get her to pay attention to more animation depending on how I present it. So it's all in presentation. That is true. You, it is. you may you may not think, oh, it's black and white. Oh, it's from the 30s. If you give it a chance, go in with an open mind, you will like it. It is short. If you can sit with, you know, your draws and not taking a shower and do like a 10-hour marathon of Netflix, and watch the same thing over and over again, you can spend an hour, 15 minutes and watch The Bride of Frankenstein. These universal monster movies, you owe it to see where we've come from as far as special effects, as far as horror movies. You owe it to watch these movies. Um, this, The Bride of Frankenstein is an amazing movie. Um, I would say watch this one. I love Frankenstein. I really do. But I like The Bride of Frankenstein more than I like Frankenstein. Um, so nine out of ten um, dish cloths on heads. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Dave. I'm going to have to go with ten out of ten Burgermeisters because I don't think we talked about him at all. And I love his <laughs> character. I love, like, no matter what's going on, he is, like, the rational voice. Like, they have this obvious monster. This isn't, like, this is a monster. He's, a, oh, it's just an escaped madman. Everything's fine. All good all good women and all good husbands and wives should be in their beds. No matter what's going on, he's the voice of reason. I, almost, I almost used him as my quote. Monster, oh, in, yes. monster indeed, tush, tush. Tush, tush. Right, he's, like, the, the, the voice of reason, which is... Uh, in a movie like this, it's so subversive. Is obviously the blind. He's an idiot, you know. In this, he's he's almost the, he's the foil. Uh, he's got that ridiculous mustache. And wasn't there yeah, a that scene mustache cut out? was like it's like it needed its own billing. One, one of the uh, twenty-one murders that got cut out, I think, was where the monster where? kills him. Yeah, yeah. Which again, I, that's a that, I want to see that movie. But I, I love I love the Burgermeister. I love his. Uh, he, he represents sort of the other side of society, the one, you know, refuses to see the truth because it doesn't sort of meld with their acceptance of what's normal or right. I love this movie. I love it so much. I, there's nothing, yeah, Una O'Connor alone, I would watch her, you know, run around screaming for two hours. Just, it was just her, just yeah. running around screaming for two hours on that. I don't know if I could do that, baby. Uh, um, and, yeah, uh, yeah. 
I love this movie so much. Yeah, so much. I love it better than the original. Uh, and I think we need to watch it again tonight after okay. we log off. We have to watch it. Sure. I, I love this movie. Love it so much. But, you know, Una told the Burgermeister that the monster was alive and he was like, right. go, go away crazy. That's the point. We talk about she was the Greek chorus, the ones who know the truth. And he's the one he's, who doesn't accept any truth. He's no, it, that's not. It, it, it can't. But the, but the men came and told him and he was like, look, lock up the women and children. Like we we can't help out any. But OK, yeah, lock us up. Bye. I think well, I think watching the Burgermeister killed would have made it even more impactful because he was the one who denied the truth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Think think of the scene where they where they capture him and they take him into the to the prison and they lock him. They put him in that chair and they chain him down <laughs> with all that effort. You know, and then he immediately just starts ripping those chains out. And here the Burgermeister's standing out there addressing the crowd, telling everybody, oh, no, 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 everything's fine. We got the monster. Locked up. You know, he's locked up. You're safe. It's cool. And here this motherfucker just comes barreling out of this door and all this, you know, like, yes. In all other horror movies, like, you would have seen that guy get killed. Yeah, I, I, that, you know he's the, he's I the, wish we had seen that. yeah yeah he's the opposite of the crazy Ralph. Yeah, well, you know, just wait until we talk about freaks and why it's so fucking short. Right, right. Yeah, but you know you had your crazy Ralphs in in all these horror movies that were like you know oh don't go into the woods, you know there's it's it's got a uh, Jason Voorhees curse you know whatever and he was the one that was he always knew he was right the, the whole time but he was the one that got killed. But this guy's the opposite. Like, he totally denies... Denies everything. Denies everything, you know? And then, you know, I want to see this guy get his comeuppance because right. he has no fucking clue. Yeah, because the Hays Code... It was a it. bit much for the audiences at the time, you know? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And I love how uh, Frankenstein's monster is all about every person he meets is, like, friend? Yeah, at uh, first. Friend? And... My favorite movie is The Labyrinth. And so Frankenstein's monster reminds me of Luda. And yeah. so when Sarah yeah. meets him, she's like, friend. Because she's like, oh, fuck, you're huge. I need to make sure you I'm know. I'm going to be your friend. I am friend. <laughs> and then and Ludo's like, I call rocks. Rocks, friend. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's kind of like a callback to, to Frankenstein. Oh. You know, I think I think it's important how it it, Frankenstein and Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, you know, moving forward played on, um, uh, you know, modern modern cinema. Yeah, it's definitely um, these are very important films, and we're going to be touching on um, quite a few of them, and I'm looking forward to talking about this further because I, it's rare that I get to talk about black and white movies with people. So, um, it's, you know, and I love it. Like I said, when it's horror and classic, like, Ooh, like, yeah, it's cause I love horror and I love classic, but put them together. Um, yeah. So this has been really, really fun. I'm looking forward to, we, we have like a couple themes going on this season. Um, we're going to be doing classics. We will be doing, um, Jalo, we're going to be doing extreme horror. So we've got like a couple weird themes all mixed together in there. So yeah, enjoy that ride. I'm game. Um, Let's Ryan, go. Where can we... I'm in. 
Hold on to yeah, your feet. Uh, right. toenails. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. You know me, because on every single one, I'm going to be running my fucking mouth. Um, Ryan, where can we find you? Uh, I am on uh, Twitter at CoolnessPodRyan, uh, Instagram at The Coolness Chronicles. And uh, so I make two podcasts. I make a subjective pop culture history podcast called The Coolness Chronicles. Uh, we just wrapped up 100 episodes on the greatest thing ever, Mystery Science Theater 3000. And now we're I saw deep- that. I was so happy. We are deep into the second season, and it's all about the landmark parody film Airplane, the movies that inspired it, and the movies and filmmakers that it inspired, from Mel Brooks to the Marx Brothers and even the Fairley Brothers. Awesome. Uh, and Candy's going to be on a future episode. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. Yeah. And yeah. I Definitely. also co-host another podcast called Reels of Justice, which is a fake movie court. And we have a prosecutor, a defense counsel, a judge, and a jury and we try to determine if a film is guilty or innocent of being a bad movie. And we are approaching the 100-episode milestone at the moment. It's been wow. a wild ride for the past almost two years. And you can find both of those shows wherever you listen to this, wherever you find podcasts, Coolness Chronicles, Reels of Justice. Yay! Awesome. And they're both so great podcasts, tonight. too. Well, thank I you. love them both. Thank you so much. Yes, definitely. Awesome. Um, my plugs, I keep them short and sweet. Uh, just um, everything the House of Screams related, Final Girl Cosmetics related, me running my mouth related, all in my link tree. Link tree slash candy the final girl. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Shaun of the Dead. Um, I was just recently on Podcast of the Damned. We did Arachnophobia. Uh, that yes. is out now. Um, I am getting ready to record uh, with Baron's Hideout. We're doing Return of the Living Dead. I can't wait. My favorite. Do you want a party? So I, I want a party. Which I want to point out, like I always do. Sorry, it's our first perfect score from every single person on the show. Yep. When, when there was a whole shit ton of us. That was such a good episode. That was before Crystal. That's back yeah. when we had perfect scores. <laughs> Sorry. See me, see me winking? Um, Sorry. I get to be the Russian judge. You and, and Erica both. You're going to have to duke it out. <laughs> and then later, uh, close to the end of the month, I'm doing a podcast in the woods with our buddy Boomer. Uh, we're doing revenge films, and I have chosen Mandy. So I finally Ooh. get to talk about that. We got to talk about that on our podcast, but that episode got lost when my computer crashed. So <laughs> that was right after my fucking back surgery too, which yeah. was a bitch for me because I'm like, I can never have that moment back. But and that was I'm also going to be doing um, podcasts in, in the woods as well with Boomer. And um, I won't say what the theme is, but my I chose Night of the Creeps. Ooh. Daddy Tom. Daddy Tom. <laughs> yeah and i was so bummed about that mandy episode because we had such a good time on that episode that's and a good movie it was the We've, first time i felt decent after my surgery i re- yeah. my first returning show after my, my surgery last my time. hard drive crashed and we i think we lost six or seven episodes that we'd recorded and i was wow. like 15 episodes so pissed so pissed yeah so um dave crystal um, no, nothing. I don't, I don't do online stuff just here. Just, this is the only place you can find me if you should All want right. to. And I think they should. As always, wherever you find Dave, you can find me. I wish my husband would say that about me. Bathhouses, glory holes, wherever. <laughs> well, maybe not that part. Only fans. <laughs> That's for the I only. had an only fans. 
Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm gonna go get that my... concludes tonight's I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get my credit card. Hang on. <laughs> Just buy her a nice piece of jewelry. Yeah. Well, honey, if it makes you happy, anywhere you can find candy, you can find me. We live and in the same house. And he'll be the one running and I'm the one chasing him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. No. And he has a cat under each arm. Leaves the kids for me. <laughs> That's right. And neither All one right. of them love me. Anyway, um, thank you guys again so much. Thanks, Ryan, for coming out. And yeah, um, thank you. I'll see you on your show very soon. Yes. Next week, and but it won't be next week for you people, but that, that's just for our own edification. Just well, so that you keep that we it were, all together. We always tell people they're time traveling and it's a privilege. Yeah. Well, there you go. They feel very privileged. That they get that, that joy. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, you guys have a good night. Thank you so much. Love you. Take care, guys. Love you guys. Good night, folks. Good night. Adios.